welcome to the Awkward Stare, where Arlene, Natasha, and Jahan take a long, awkward look at life and deep dive into all manner of subjects. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And if you like what you hear, please share with some friends and follow us for more content. And we love hearing from you all. Please don't hesitate to contact us at our email address, theawkwardstare at gmail.com. Again, that's theawkwardstare at gmail.com. So this week's episode of The Awkward Stare is coming out a little bit before Valentine's Day. So we decided to talk about romance and love and uh, what we've learned. Um, enjoy. So at the heart of it. Hey, you guys, or ladies, I should say ladies, how's everything going? Hi, I'm doing good. I'm good. How are you? I'm chilling, chilling like a villain as always. Let's give the audience a little bit of background or history about uh, Valentine's Day first. So just because it's around that day and just to clear the air of what Valentine's actually is. We were all reading a couple articles and just give us, give you some background about it um the origins of valentine's day um or may or may not be um there are articles that kind of say well it's probably not but there are articles that say it is um started with its origins in a roman celebration called creado i'm sorry if i'm saying that totally wrong but it took place in mid-february its origins were a ritual involving goats and dogs and involved into an urban carnival and the goats and dogs would be sacrificed. It also involves young women lining up and being hit by men or beat by men and they believe that that would bring them fertility. So usually the holiday is connected with Saint Valentine. The myth is that he would pass young lovers notes but uh, there have been many St. Valentine's associated with the holiday three in the third century and none of them were really associated with romance at all. The Christian church is more interested in um, miracles and story of martyrdom and you know making sure that these people actually existed. So it wasn't really about romance at all. It was just about these uh, martyrs or um, people who did healings or things like that. It wasn't until the Victorian age when Saucer and Shakespeare um, romanticized the idea in their writings. And then people started to send paper cards and stuff like that to other people. And then during the industrial age, when things can be mass produced like chocolates and in cards, that became something that would be spread about and people would buy things. And of course, commercialism and all that. Now it's a big holiday of commercialism. There was something about the Saint, one of the Saint, well, a few of the Saint Valentines being beheaded because of their supposed acts of of healing. So, like one, you know, healed this this little girl of her blindness supposedly, and the king was like, "Not in my house!" <laughs> like, like killed everybody, like the whole family. The girl was a part of person who asked for his daughter to be healed kill Saint, that St. Valentine. So that was like a Christian, uh, St. Valentine being, you know, of, of, of Christianity, the king just not approving of it and beheading them. Um, that that St. Valentine became a martyr. And apparently, which I didn't get to dig into, but also it seemed that they had St. Valentines in different, on different continents. There was like one in Africa, others in Europe and other parts of Europe and so on and so forth. And it was like, you know, whenever they would try to do something, I guess the king didn't like, they would have them beheaded. And I found that interesting because I didn't originally know that. But yeah, and I, I don't know the timing of it or how or if it was around the same time but uh, of the year. But yeah, I found that really interesting that they would do something apparently good and they would be beheaded for it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't explained why. Well, I didn't understand maybe why. I don't really know too much about the history of Valentine. I live in, it was a pagan, it came, it came of pagan origin. You know, my, my, my regular ass 
idea of Valentine's, which is they express love to your to your significant other or your crush. But yeah, I know that that it does come from like Christian, Roman, Greek, pagan ideology. I mean, it's pretty interesting how the holiday seems to have evolved and changed into something that we really think of it as something romantic and beautiful and sweet and aw, mm-hmm. feeling those butterflies in my tummy. Um, <laughs> not really, not really. Okay. Um, <laughs> but also very commercialized and a, a big money maker for um, different industries. So that, that's also an interesting takeaway from it. Another thing I wanted to shift into because we're talking about romance is the idea of romantic love and the history behind romantic love. And so we've all gone through a couple of different articles or whatever, but, you know, human beings have feelings. Obviously, we all know have emotions, have biological needs and wants, and we form attachments because we form attachments because that's what's beneficial for us um, to do so, to create communities and things like that. Romantic love was not necessarily looked upon as beneficial for anyone back in the day. Actually, it was looked as, you know, with, with some suspicion. So families um, would be the ones who create, who, who chose your I want to say Nate, but that's not, you know, your your husband or your wife um, because of economic survival, um, more or less, um, or whatever the case may be. It, um, as far as written history, especially in the, I'm going to stick to the West because um, we know um, a lot. I I know a lot more about the West, but um, Natasha and Arlene, if you can jump in at any point and say um, about other talk about other cultures. Because there, there's also this idea that a lot of emotions and the way we display emotions are very culturally specific. And so the way that things are written about other cultures through the Western lens may not be very accurate because it's not always written by the people who ex- express those emotions. So I would want to point that out as well. So at least in the West, marriages were conducted because of economic reasons because someone owns land or because of alliances that needed to be made or whatever. Uh, And that was up until the industrial age um, when people started getting jobs in big cities. And now the, your economic needs and your economic survival was uncoupled from the land and people started mixing the ideas from the enlightenment age. And they create, they, they started choosing their, the people, their partners based on their feelings and, and then we um, go into like marrying for love and marrying for love rather than marrying for alliances. And we create the happily ever, the, the stories of happily ever after. And now, you know, we always see that in movies and in books and stuff like that, where you're supposed to marry for love and it's all important, all encompassing. This is what it's supposed to be for. Yeah. So I, there was that yeah there is that shift I mean we do talk from the western point of view I mean there are other countries cultures that I you know I've I've looked up only because this topic of romance love relationships community has been a theme of, of mine for for the past year or so but to stick to the western world because many other cultures that I've at least the ones that I've looked up I mean one that, one that I know I can tell you about that I had did extensive research on since college or undergrad was the Kung people and they're like they're the hunter gatherer they call the Bushmen, Kalahari Desert. They're a group uh, that I, I had to do research on back then, and I always try to look up things that they do because generally we tend to talk about you know traditional societies and how they do things, and it's like I don't know if you really want to do it the way <laughs> traditional people do it. And like this is one of the examples where there's there's some talk that, for example, the Kung, um, they have a they have two ways to do it. Like one way could be, I guess, it depends on the the, the 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 subgroup. But you know, there could be it could be that it's an arranged marriage, like most, like where the mother of the son approaches the mother of the daughter and says, "Hey, we should get together," and they set that up. You know, and the the, the girl could be like twelve years old. You know, 
and the boy is like at least 18 or, you know, 16, 17, 18, something like that. Or it could be the other way where in some cultures, the clone, I'm not sure if they do it because I've read that they have, but there's nothing concrete in that description, this description or the following description. But they also say that there is the the way of, you know, man comes in or a group of men come in, they grab the woman out of her home and they drag her to be wedded. And that's just the way it goes. So there's, there's, there's that as well. So, I mean, in, in this sense, I feel like there's no, there's no talk about romance or love in many, in many of these situations. And I know that's not the only, that's not the only way that things are done across the continent of Africa. I'm just going to say that Africa is a continent. There's a lot of different cultures, thousands, thousands of languages. So this is the, this is the one that I know about only because that's research that I've done in the past. But you know, we talk about other cultures, you know, that are also in the East. We talk about Indian culture, stuff like that. A lot of them arrange marriages traditionally, but they don't have to be. But, you know, you, you do marry for economic reasons. And basically all of these are tied to economics. So if we stick to the West, where things get a little bit more complicated, where it's not that you you have to do anything at all, really, or you're not forced to do it or your parents are not setting it up for you. I think there is the element of romance makes things complicated. And I do feel like, you know, what we know here is that there is that element of of complication when it comes to the definition of love and what love is. So my ideas about romance haven't really changed much because I didn't really think of romance as a thing. I just, I didn't really think of it. It was more like love is what my parents have for me. <laughs> when I was younger, love is what my parents have for me. I love my, my siblings. You know, I love my parents. My parents... And I was like, my parents are in love, you know? And then when they would fight a little bit, I'll be like, oh my God, they hate each other. (laughs) You know, like it's coming to an end. What's that thing they call divorce? Oh my God, they get a divorce because they're fighting, you know? And that was my thought about love. I was never that little girl to be like, oh, I can't wait to have my wedding or the wedding dress or whatever. I was just not that little girl. So I didn't like, I, I, even in my, in in my twenties, I would be like, I don't really know if I want to get married. I'm not sure about marriage. But I never said that ain't that I was denying love. And I think many people thought that I was like against love or against romance or anything like that or those things, but I wasn't. It was just more like, I don't know if it's necessary for me to be actually be married. I still feel that way, but we'll get there. But I think that this transition that we've made over, over history and time in the Western world has convoluted things a lot. I feel like what we have to do is begin to dissect some of the terms that we use and the ways and feelings and the emotions that we put into this thinking. So, so yeah, there's different cultures and different ways of thinking about marriage and romance, but in, in Western society, it's something that has definitely become more complicated. Like I said, in my opinion, uh, the history of, of romantic love and what I've seen is like, I, I've always gotten my idea based off of uh what was shown on TV, I not really like what I've seen because I don't know if I've ever seen any any I like view in my face of what romance actually was like in real life other than actually experiencing it. But like I I'm a Pisces, so I've always been like a person that like would rom I romanticize romance, if that makes sense. I was very, like, dreamy. So my my idea of what romantic love and, and all that is, is, like, was, like, you know, getting married and, like, being in love and all that stuff. I didn't really know about the arrangements until I got older as far as cultural differences and all that stuff goes. Like I said, again, watching it in, on TV was when I learned that other cultures had arranged marriages in in VR. My culture, it's a very Latin culture is very romantic in general. So it's it's a very loving culture. Like you give hugs, you give kisses, you should express and show love to everyone, and and being in love and 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 in it also in music. Music is another thing that I've I've. Uh, has given me my idea of what romantic love is because you know I would listen to a lot of songs and I I would know that pain was part of love or I thought that pain was part of love because you know 
Spanish songs would always be about heartbreak and stuff like that. But my idea of romantic love shifted from my childhood to, to adulthood, where like actually loving somebody requires self-love. So that's where my idea of love changed is if I don't love myself and if I don't express the love and do the things that I want for myself, I can express, expect anyone to do that for me. So that's like where it has shifted from childhood to adulthood. In my childhood, I, I was like, I'll be married by 24 and have my children by this age. And, you know, it'll be like this romantic lovey-dovey thing you know I, I would watch like Martin and like that's what I thought love was like you know this having this friendship but also like this this romantic and, and attraction and whatever love for each other at the same time but now I'm like you, you have that that's part of it but that's only like a small very small part of it you know like majorly the major part of it is is to love yourself and then you give from that overflow and and if you love yourself and accept yourself unconditionally then you can love and accept somebody else unconditionally and you would know what you want as well in love because you give it to yourself and you wouldn't accept anything else because you treat yourself a specific way because you love yourself yeah totally let me jump back for a second and say it's not that people just married for economics. They did just marry for economics, but they also had lovers. It's not like people didn't have lovers and people didn't, you know, go outside of their marriage. And in many different cultures, there are many different ways they did that. Some of it was like concubines and mistresses and whatever kind of, I don't know what you call a male mistress. I don't know what you call him. And I, I'm sorry. Call him a hoe. Uh, I mean, let's not, let's not use these <laughs> words, people. Um, let's be, huh. Oh, <laughs> you know, they're living their life. <laughs> I, the, only, the only term that I read, actually, honestly, that somebody actually acknowledged what the male version was, he Chris actually used the word fuckboy. Yeah, I guess that. So we'll just, just say that, you know, he's a fuckboy. Ugh. Anyway, um, but there, I did read an article also that there were like, it, there was, a, I wish I knew the culture's name that, so I'm not even going to say where it is, but there, there was a, there's a grief, there was an agreement between the husband and wife to bring in this person, this person as a lover for economic reasons, because this person would be like, add to the household, but also the woman might also form an emotional attachment to this person. So they would be public lovers at some point, you know? So there are other, there were lovers. So sex and love were separate as well as sex and marriage were like, sex was seen as an obligation where it's like, you have to have sex to have children to pass on your genetic material, but also your wealth. Whereas love is like something in a, another thing and you can have sex with somebody and you know you can be in love with them or you don't have to be but whatever whereas now we see what I, I don't think everybody sees it but especially um, a lot of women see it like sex and love are about the same thing and I think it's because of the way we're we're taught what we're taught but yeah as a little girl I think that like many little girls I grew up with cartoons and movies and music and it's just like, I really loved The Little Mermaid. I like really loved The Little, Tashi don't act like it. you don't know. We knew every word in The Little Mermaid. And my idea of love came out of like those kinds of movies where I was like, okay, this is what love means. You just meet somebody you know, and it's gonna be like magical. And then they're gonna like, everything's taken care of. It's happy ever after everything, everything's good. You go through a little issue or whatever, but after that, it's like, it's cool, right? And I mean, as I got older, I realized that's not, it's not really the case. And I love, I love, love music. Oh my gosh. Romantic music. But some of it, I start to listen to it now. And I'm like, oh, that's super toxic. Hold on one second. You going to knock on his door until he comes back? Yeah. Girl, let's talk it. <laughs> um, I go back and listen to those songs like, 
no, nah, I don't want that. Girl, psycho. You don't arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so, I definitely have changed a lot of. I mean, and all through my my experience, I realized a lot of it comes from, especially when I was a you know, a little bit older, younger, emerging adult. When I was an emerging adult, my idea was that someone was going to see me and see my worth. And then I was going to see my worth through their eyes. That's how I'm going to gain worth. Because if somebody chose me, that means I, I have the permission to love myself. And I think that um, now looking back on it, that's what a lot of my relationships were. Um, instead of it being like, I love myself. I like this person. Let me get to know them and see what it is, how it's going to go. Instead of me saying, you know, oh my gosh, if you like me, that means I can like me. Now, I mean, it's shifted a lot because I realized that love is not just, you know, a feeling. Like the feelings are your biology going crazy and it's great. It feels good. It feels good for a certain amount of time. But love is action as well for me. Love is not just saying I love you, but actually showing I love you. And it's the little everyday things that make me understand that I love somebody and I think that it's about being willing to be vulnerable with somebody being willing to um, support somebody um, emotionally and mentally spiritually as well and knowing that I have to love myself as Arlene pointed out it's like you have to love yourself and before we started taping I saw this bell hooks quote on on Facebook it says one of the best guides to how to be self-loving is to give ourselves the love we are often dreaming about receiving from others. And that was a bell hooks quote. Because I think a lot of the time, yes, a lot of the times we think that, you know, this person is going to, you know, shower us with gifts and shower us with all this praise and emotion and see our beauty and see our, well, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else, but I know that that's how I thought. And it's really about giving that to myself and choosing myself. And so when I meet the person, whoever he may be, and he comes along and whatever, I'm definitely looking at who he is, but also knowing that this is how I treat me and I expect you to treat me the same way. So there you go. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna like piggyback because yeah, I realized like going back to finding love or like seeking a like I feel like like you said like if that person chose you, then you would feel like you can choose you or or you can you know now you're worthy enough to 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 choose yourself or love yourself because that person has chosen you. I think we all had that like we're taught this like somebody has to love you like and and you have to be selected and and that is the validation that you need like we rather than validating ourselves we we need validation from other people and if you're not chosen by this other person then you're not good enough you're not worthy enough or whatever like i was like for 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 a minute i was also like toxic in a way where i was like if you don't do this, like my, my definition of how love shifted and whatever, if you don't do this for me, then you don't love me. Then we can't be together. Like that, that was my, my source of toxicity. My, 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 uh, what you call it? My toxic trait in relationships was, was to be like, oh, well, I do this. But if you don't do this, if you don't make this change, if you don't show this thing, if you don't act this way, if you don't do these things I act, I ask of you, then you truly don't love me and we need not be together and fuck you. Like, that's how I used to be, which was, no, that's not healthy. It's not really healthy because I'm fucking up somebody else too at the same time being toxic and shit. But also it was like me again as asking somebody else to validate me what i want my definition you need to fit my mold as opposed to being like no you are you you grew up how you grew up 
this is how you do things and I still love you. Like that shouldn't be how love is defined. That shouldn't be how, how that, that is not like, that is not how you, you show me love. If I see that you show me love in other ways, like it doesn't have to be, you know, do this specific thing the way that I want you to do it be this way or fuck you, you know? So I think sometimes we often too pick pick people that we want to like shape and mold and like make them into this person, you know? <laughs> because we got some toxic shit. Like I've had some toxic shit with me, but I, I'm, I'm still working on my shit. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree with, with, um, with what you all are saying there is something to be said for for love as a definition and i think i might have quoted miss miss bell hooks <laughs> um in another episode but i feel like that definition really stuck with me of love and it's like really about how you how you extend yourself and how you grow personally spiritually uh and that's what love is and like if you know what love is for yourself then there's no other way for somebody else to treat you except for the way you've now established you know how you love yourself and if I give myself flowers on a Tuesday I'm not saying you gotta give me flowers every Tuesday but what I'm saying is that that form of love that I'm giving myself you should be able to equate that if we're together because I love you the way you love yourself and I love me the way I love myself and I think one thing that people if you're if you're religious like you know people think about God and God's love it's like yeah God loves you like without um without a hesitation good and bad understanding that you're a sinner for example i'm not a religious person but that's you know i we're familiar with religion um it's like it's the same thing that person shouldn't be changing for you and you shouldn't be changing for them you have your foundation and off that foundation you you operate in a sense that um that benefits you both. So yeah, I think that love is something that has, romance has something that has definitely um, been played to to a point where it's like, you know, you're swooning and you got the butterflies in your belly and you feeling nervous and you getting jitters and your palms is sweaty. And, and I'm just like, that sounds like a whole lot. But what I do know is that if I love somebody, whether we're talking about romantic love or intimate love, if you want to call it that, um, or friendship, um, because there's also an article about friendships and how those are defined when they become something that are, um, are where that person is like so close to you that it's almost like you guys are a married couple. And you operate that way, whether you live together with the, with a friend and it's somebody that you're not having sex with or you're not at, at all interested in in that way. It's just that you you develop a bond. I think there's something to be said for for that kind of love as well. That soul tie that that could be a soul tie. You know, it could be something that's bonded you even deeper than any kind of intimate romantic love could ever do. And those things mean something as well. And that is love. That's love because you know what you need and they know what they need, and you can give it to yourself and you can give it to each other and you can build upon that and you can have a household and you can, you know, you have a child, you're, you're a single mom over here. You're a single mom over here. You babysit each other's children. Your children grow up close together. It's community. And I think that's the basis of love. And if it's like, if it's almost, it's healthy, it's like, why not? However you want to define that, that's what it is. Yeah. I think just, a couple things so an article that mentioned that the highest form of love is friendship um that was pluto i believe the uh, philosopher pluto said this um the highest form of love is friendship and so that goes back to how the ancients were wary of romantic love because they felt like it does it's not based in rationality so it kind of makes you crazy um whereas you know I think that there's something to be said about the way that we go about making friends and the way that we nurture friendships and things of that nature, which we, we think that in this society that romantic love is the best, the, the only thing that we should be striving for and stuff like that. 
So there is something to be said about how we strive for friendships and how we nurture our friendships and, you know, keep our friendships because some people kind of throw away their friendships once they get into these romantic situations, whereas friendships are very important. Friendships are very, you know, fulfilling. They can be amazing relationships as well as romantic relationships. So we need to vet our friends as thoroughly because they can they, friends can also you know help us decide our trajectory in life as well because you know I don't I don't know who said this but the five people you have around you most helping to shape your trajectory so that's that's something that you need to decide on who you have around you but who's your person that you partner with also helps your trajectory or they can pull you back down in in the in the dumpster. So those things need to be vetted and need to be taken care and time and energy of. It's not just like, oh, because I feel something for this person, I sh- I need to be in a relationship with them. I think that there's a means to take your time and vet and get to know someone and you're actually choosing the person. They're not just choosing you. And which I never went back in the day when I was striving for self-worth. I didn't realize that I'm choosing a person. It's not that they're just choosing me. I'm also making decisions for who I'm going to be with. And my idea has also changed in that I'm going to vet someone according to, and take my time with that, um, getting to know that person and knowing that this is the right person for me. Because even if I like somebody, if I'm, not, if I'm madly in love with them, that doesn't mean that's the right person for me. That doesn't mean that this is going to be the best situation for either of either of us. And that's just a choose because we might not be going in the same direction. Or this might be something that just, just like, oh, this is, this is fun. But I mean, is that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, is that what I want? Or is that just like what I want for today? And for myself, I want to take my time and really get to know somebody, really soak in their essence and know if that energy is right for me, if that person's trajectory is going to be right for me, because I'm, and I hopefully they're doing the same. Going back to the, the friendships and stuff. So there's like, like biology and sexual attraction and chemistry, right? So, and then people often mistake that chemistry chemical reaction that's happening in your body to to uh to love not knowing that that's actually your body just having like your hormones and and dopamine releases and all of that stuff it's all chemical and just like drugs it's 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 a chemical thing you need to you i guess me being older now i understand that there's a difference where you have a sexual attraction to someone and that sexual attraction that emotion that feeling gets confused with love with oh i love this person i want to be with this person whatever whatever it's like no it's just biology your your body's just reacting to this person's chemistry because they're they're probably visually uh appealing to you and and whatever so there's there's that part as well that people gotta kind of discern and differentiate what love is and and i think love is friendship essentially even if you do marry your your best friend or whatever love is friendship and that is the most important part of of any relationship is is friendship because i think in a friendship when you don't have that romantic love that romantic thing in it i think the romance the romance is just like a topper like that's just the ter- the cherry on top the sex is the cherry on top but the friendship and, and that love, that's the core, that's the foundation. People need to like, the initial reaction of meeting a new person would be like, oh my God, I want to touch this person and take my clothes off. Like, you know, I want to pull my pants down. You're making, you're making things up in the vaginal regions for me. <laughs> like, then you get that satisfied and it's like, Oh my God, I want more. But then like, just like all things at first, they, they're, they're amazing. And then that shit ends when they don't, when you don't have the the rest of it. So, yeah, I agree. The foundation is super duper important. (laughs) 
that's speaking from a you know a 36 year old and you know what I mean it's I think that in your 20s you just you don't realize that or you're not even you don't see that or you're not taught that 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 the foundation I'm sure people taught have told us though I'm sure they've told us you aren't listening no we don't pay attention because you 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 go with what you feel feelings are stronger than logic emotions are often stronger than logic I think there's something to be said for the fact that I mean, I, I said this before, but I just want to say, you know, I know that as you, as you get, as, as I've gotten older, you know, like I, like I said, you know, in, in, when I was younger, I didn't really think about marriage or all these things or whatever. I didn't really think about those things, but of course, romance is big. I'm still a person who loves some good R&B. I love some good soul music. I love those kinds of music. I love, I love, I love country music more than I even thought I did. You know, I love those kinds of things because they tell you something. And of course, yeah, like one of you mentioned, maybe both of you mentioned, yes, we have music that sounds like, okay, that should sound crazy. What the fuck is you doing? But that's how in my 20s, I thought about things like I was in relationship after relationship or I, and I'd be doing all kinds of toxic things. And I was a toxic person all through, up, all up and through. And um, so with that being said, like now that I understand how, how it is that I actually need to be moving is actually loving myself. And so if, if I love myself and I can give that love, right? I said that already. But I do think there's something to be said for having a friend and people talking about, you know, my partner's my best friend. That's a good thing if you really know what friendship is. But I think people don't even know what friendship is to talk about because everybody could be somebody's friend, right? Like some people, they have like a million friends. It's like, okay, so now do you, when you say that they're your friends, do you actually love them? Do you actually care for them? Do you actually are you there for them the way they need you to be there for them? Not the way you want to be there for them, but the way they need you to be there for them. Like, how are you showing up for them? And so you can have a lot of friends, but, and if you can do that for everybody that you call your friend, that's fantastic. And that kind of love is awesome. And so the more people you can give that kind of love to, that's great. It means you have a lot of, I mean, I would hope you have a lot of love for yourself. One thing that I do want to say is that in that, that's how I'm going about my intimate relationships, because if I can say that I truly love myself, if I truly love Natasha, then I can truly love somebody else. I can truly give somebody else love. That's my friends. That's an intimate relationship. That's all my all the people in my life. And that means also accepting them for who they are as a person. And if I can't accept them for who they are, then there's no way that I can love them because that means there's a contradiction there, right? There's a contradiction. So I think as thinking about human beings and how we love and how we romanticized love uh romanticized romance i guess it's something to be said for focusing our attention on loving ourselves building that foundation and building the next step which is friendship and then talking about if intimate intimate relationship is necessary is is possible because not everybody that your intimate relationship with is a person that's going to be your partner or partners, because in some people's situation, they they have more than one partner. They may not be a good partner for you. And if they're not a good partner for you, just because you love them does not make it okay. So like, you may not want children. They may want children. How are you going to be together? But everybody's not getting what they want. There's only resentment. It's not healthy. So I think there's a lot to be thought about. But I think the basis of that, if you have a good friendship, you can have those conversations. You can be friends and not be together. It's possible. Yeah. And I think um another point that I would like to say to us, you basically said this. We we've basically all of, all three of us have said it in different ways, knowing your values, knowing yourself, knowing your, your own values, because then you know that this person's values match or align with mine and I can rock with this person. Whereas I mean you can respect someone else's values, but if it doesn't align, it just doesn't align, then how can you build something with someone? friendship relationship romantic relationship or otherwise with a person if your business relationship if your values don't align it just it it doesn't make sense necessarily because it won't necessarily yield what you're looking to yield Mm. and i think that's why you're found knowing your foundation and knowing the old that and having that self-love is so important because if you have that foundation you know what your values are and then you can easily spot if somebody else whether it's a potential friend or a potential partner, if they have the same or similar values or their foundation is as similar to yours or is as sturdy as yours. I think that's important. I would like to ask, as we wrap up this episode, what are you still trying to understand about love? And, and I guess I can start with this. So I watched a video from School of Life 
It's on. It's available on YouTube. It's how to love everybody. And this idea that keeps on coming up for me is that you can love everybody. They, they um, specifically in this video talk about Jesus Christ. This idea of how to love everybody, and I'm trying to figure out how how to do so. Um, because there was an incident, or I wouldn't say even an incident, because I like to call things incidents, but a thought, something happened, and this idea came up for me again, where it's like, how do I love someone through the the hurt that they cause? And so the idea that you can love anybody, that's what I'm trying to understand, if that's possible, and if we can love people like how Jesus Christ did. He loved everybody, even though he told people what it was but he still loved everybody so i'm trying to understand this idea what is loving to me while being loving to other people because oftentimes i'm i feel like i want to be loving to other people and and but at the same time that that that's something that i wouldn't it would feel not good to me like doing things that don't feel good to me like I know that sometimes people say like, if you love someone, then you then you you have there are certain sacrifices that you make, and you know showing people love sometimes is doing certain things you might not be happy about doing or whatever. And so it's like, well, if you truly love the person, you would be, you know, you would do a certain sacrifice to to show something that you don't want to do because you love them, you do it you do it, you know, but it might be like a miserable feeling at the time for you or whatever. So it's like trying to discern that being loving to myself and also being loving to other people at the same time. As crazy as it may sound, I feel like I'm still trying to understand what love is just generally. So we can, I can say what I think it might be, and I think it's yeah more than a feeling, but I feel like I'm just trying to understand what love is, what's a loving act and what's not a loving act. Um, and I think that it's hard to even explain what I mean by that, if that doesn't make sense. But that's how I feel. I feel like there's, you know, for example, there's, there's people that I know that, that I just can't stand. And it's like, does that mean I hate them? I don't really hate them. Do I love them? And how do I still respect who they are without um, without dishonoring how I how what it is I'm feeling inside about that person, you know? And is it because they're a mirror of me and there's something that I'm supposed to understand? Like there's so many things that I feel like go into that. And I feel like it does have to do with love because it has to do with something that has to do with me. And so, and if I love myself, I should be acknowledging the way that I feel even when it comes to my interactions with other people. So that's the best way that I can explain it. So I feel like I'm still trying to understand what is love, just generally. Um, yeah, it's the best way I can explain it. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, I think I get where both of you are coming from because I think that a lot of the times we're told, well, we, we're supposed to sacrifice or we're supposed to... Uh, what is that other word that everybody uses? That People I hate. Compromise. Compromise. Oh my gosh, I don't even know the word. <laughs> That's the word compromise. Compromise. I'm sorry. I was trying to remember the word. That's, I just wrote it down too. And I couldn't I, think of it, but I'm like, yeah, how do you do loving things? For, yeah, that that compromise part. Yeah, you gotta they say <laughs> love is so like when is is it comp like like if it doesn't feel loving to you, but Thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, all right, yeah. But then it's just like, is it loving or is it, I mean, is it loving that I have to do this thing because you want me to? And isn't it like not, if it's not loving to myself, am I really truly loving you or just trying to keep you in my space, in my time? And I think that sometimes, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure that one out too because it's just like, I've heard that so many times, but I really don't believe it. I I don't believe in, <laughs> I sound going to sound crazy. I really don't believe in compromise because I think that it takes a lot more conversation in my, in my, to find out what's best for both people and to like really work through like, what are we really 
what's best for both of us rather than what's best for you or what's best for me. And one of us got to choose. I feel like it takes a lot more working through things to figure out like what's what best, the best option for both of us so that we both can get what we want out of this situation. And I feel like that feels more loving to me, but I don't know. And the fact that the idea that, you know, Tashi, you don't know what love is um, in general, or you're still trying to work through those ideas. I feel like that also resonates with me because it's like, yeah, it's just so much. You learn one thing about love and you see one thing about love and this is what love is. And then you learn something else and then something else comes into your experience that tells you, oh no, but love is all of these things. And then something else came into my experience where it says, you can love everybody, but also you can't expect everybody to love you the same way all the time. Like one person cannot love you in the ways, cannot be your everything, cannot be your all. And what we, what I've learned from movies and stuff like that is that person comes along on his white horse or whatever. It could be a black horse because, you know, Black Stallion was a good movie. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, come along and they, they're going to be your everything. They're going to be everything for you. And that's it. That's all you need. And that's not really true. You need your friendships, you need your community, you need all those things. So, I mean, there's still so much to learn about love and that, you know, I feel like I haven't been taught. Yeah, but you know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of Fifty Shades of Grey, where it's like, you ideally would want a Mr. Gray. That's what you would ideally want. But like realistically, Mr. Gray was like toxic as fuck. Like he wanted a slave, but it's like, oh, you know, I love you so much. I love you and I do everything for you. And you can fly helicopter, you know, you can get in this helicopter and have this life and whatever. But you need to exercise, you need to do this, you need to do you know, like all this. And it's like but I love you so much. Don't ever leave me. But if you don't do this, we, you know, it's like, I got to punish you. Let me, let me spank you or whatever. And like, at some point, like, you know, it's a little, it's a little toxic. So, you know, I feel like people low key want like a Mr. Gray, but like when Mr. Gray comes along actually in real life, like for me, I would feel suffocated. Like. I did not see 50 shades of gray. Um, I don't think I'll be watching it. Um, and I did not read the book, um, but I heard that there is a little bit of misrepresentation of the SMM community in that book, in that in that story, um, which we could go into SNM another time. Even though, I mean, there's a lot of, I think that, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in the time. But um, there, I I think that that's the thing. It's like people, th- there's this idea of what a perfect man is, and then like there's an idea of what we're supposed to do as women to keep that perfect man. I think that's a thing that's like, and, and we're supposed to do a lot more. <laughs> it's we're expected to do a lot more. Yeah, I think there's something that I wanted to, to touch on, especially with the compromise thing is, it's interesting that they say there are three sides to every story, right? So there's your side, there's my side, and then there's the truth. I feel like instead of compromise, there's something to that needs to be done, which is like John said, have that conversation. Because just because I think it's this example of talking to somebody, but just because you want the wall pink and I want the wall blue, maybe we could just talk about it and maybe we just both both want the wall, we can both be all right with the wall being white. So I feel like there's something to be said for having a conversation. If you want to call that a compromise, then fine. But I shouldn't have to make the the, the wall the color you want is because you want it that way. And if I'm showing you love in that way, then what about you giving me the same respect and love, right? Another thing I wanted to say is there's two people that I feel like are really interesting and have been coming up for me. I've read their books, some of their books and their material or watched their TED Talks or whatever in the past, but two people that give me a lot of good thoughts as well about love and idea of love and marriage and romance and all these things are Brene Brown and Esther Perel. Brene Brown, I read her book, The Power of Vulnerability, so many years ago, I probably need to reread it. And Daring Greatly, I read that like two years ago as Brene Brown's, two of her books, she has many books. But they have something to be, that they speak, they don't speak about love directly. Neither one of these books speak about love directly, but they speak about elements that people talk about with love. 
but in a way that it's like, yeah, being vulnerable is really important if you're talking about love. Being clear and being honest is really important when you're talking about you know loving somebody. And what does that mean for the other person having to receive this information from you? And then Esther Perel talks more about you know the expectations that we have for relationships, expectations that we have for the for our partners, expectations, and you know like how it can be really unhealthy. And with with that thinking, it's like yeah, we expect our partners to be our be all end all. But it's like if you just think of them as a friend who is now coupled with you and partnered with you, and yes, you have sex, and yes, you you know care deeply for each other, and yes, you feel like you have a bond that's more than just a friendship. Absolutely, that's important and everything. But understand that they still are a friend, and you have many friends for many things. You don't go to all your friends for everything. You go to some friends for some things. You go to some friends for other things. So Esther Perel kind of planted that in my mind some years back that idea that like it's like you can't expect that person to be your everything that's not possible and it's unhealthy um so it brings you back again to the friendship aspect where they're like a really good friend your best friend possibly but they still can't give you everything that you may need from other humans so understanding that about yourself as well is really important are there any final thoughts before we wrap it up I feel like this can go on for forever. So and it could split and then break off into so many different topics, but this was dope. So I don't have any final thoughts. Yeah, we can go on forever. So let's just go ahead and end it here. <laughs> I feel like we're going to be returning to this topic because we did one last year about relationships and we're doing this Cesar second one i think that we are probably going to keep on returning to this um the subject matter because it's just there's so much information that we can return to and we can pick up from but i want to thank you all again for listening to the offered stare podcast if you like what you heard please share with some friends and follow us for more content like this um, we're also on Instagram, so make sure you follow us at the Awkward Stare. And um, we love from hearing from you, so please email us at theawkwardstare at gmail.com. Again, that's theawkwardstare at gmail.com. All right, you guys, I love you. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.